Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escapil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at Talk 90 and my co-host is Jade. Hi, I'm Jade, you can find me on the internet at jadeoxidrose, and I use they, them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books, one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. This week, we have a guest. Welcome back, Dirk. Hello, I'm Dirk. I use they, them pronouns, and you can find me on Twitter at pf underscore diva, but I mostly use it to reblog queer porn and politics, the two genders. (laughs) Uh, we are talking about Visser today, or the Visser Chronicles. Um, it doesn't technically have that in the title, but it is a Chronicles book. It was written by K.A. Applegate and Michael Grant, <coughs> or Catherine Applegate and Michael Grant, otherwise known as K.A. Applegate together. Um, which is to say, it wasn't ghostwritten. <laughs> Uh, and it is a bit longer than our usual books, so strap in, uh, because there's a lot to talk about in this book. There's so much. Just I want to. So <laughs> I, I want to start us on a light note before we get into the heavy <clears throat> stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm really bothered by the art cover art on this book. <laughs> <laughs> one, because this book is strictly speaking about Vissa One. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vista One does not have an Andalite morph. Mm-hmm. It's not an Andalite. Mm-hmm. Has no reason to be an Andalite. I appreciate Vista Three is in this book a lot and does play a part in the plot, but nevertheless, it bothers mm-hmm. me. I appreciate that their reasoning why. What I don't appreciate is how fucking terrifyingly buff <laughs> this Andalite <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. Like. This is, I feel, how, this is how Visser 3 views himself in the mirror. Yes. Just like, yes, uh-huh. so buff, so intimidating. The yes. idealized Adelite form with a fucking six pack and just like, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's beautifully oh, yeah, done. He's got art. those giant arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. super buff. <laughs> it's ridiculous. No yeah, this like is a- like a Jim Bro Adelite. It's yeah upset like yeah. even like all the like the quote horse parts of the anatomy are unnecessarily like defined mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if you saw a horse that looked like that you would worry about what the owners were doing to the horse mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. that's dehydration right there <laughs> you should not have muscle uh-huh. definition like that yep yep uh-huh. it's upsetting uh, i will also, say the as tail a- blades doing this weird thing on the end and I don't know how I'm meant to feel about that either, or if I've just been picturing tail blades wrong. I think I think you um, may have just been picturing them differently. Fair uh, enough. Uh, when this book came out, we had the Hork Bajir Chronicles. The Hork Bajir Chronicles were good. The same artist did this one. Um, that explains much. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucky was their MO, apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, uh, this, I mean, this is obviously the first art we've had of Visser 3. <clears throat> it was very exciting. Uh, and this, this book is also like, um, or at least the version that I have has is, uh, like holographic. 
It's shiny. Mm. Um, we do love a shiny cava. It, it's phenomenal. I remember that. And uh, my favorite part about this book is that the back cover is the backside view of oh my God. the viscer. Like, it's, it's literally just the other, like, if you're looking at this image from the other side. Except uh-huh. that he has one stock eye turned backwards. Okay, that's oh, quite, yeah. I like that. That's dope. <laughs> and I vividly remember, uh, as a child, um, with my brother, like, having this book and, like, playing around, like, ooh, he can see you, and then turn the book around, he can still see you! Like, horrible. <laughs> 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 uh, Incredible. Yes, uh, so I, I am a little disappointed that they don't have the, they don't, they can't show the back cover art in this PDF, but, uh, maybe I'll send y'all a picture. Um, it's very good. Uh, but it was very exciting to have such a detailed view of an Andalite. Um, especially because, like, the one, the pictures of Axe, like, I fucking, I love John Mattingly. Uh, however, <laughs> his yeah. Andalites look dorky as shit. <laughs> There's also something to be said for, like, the difference between seeing, like, a juvenile versus, mm-hmm. like, an it's adult true. prime of life mm-hmm. warrior hardened body, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's true. Still, I do not like how buff this animal is. No, yeah, is. he Especially, is unreasonably buff. I think yeah. it's partially because this is, this is stalling for the upsetting stuff we have to talk about in the book. This is just fun kind of upsetting. Is that Adelites don't have a lot of upper body strength. Like their mm-hmm. arms aren't super strong. That's repeatedly addressed in the text. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do not want to look at an Adelite that looks like he wants to bench press. <laughs> like, yes. no. <laughs> yes. No. It's tell me you used a human for this reference without telling me you used a human for this reference. Let me clear. <laughs> if I saw a centaur depicted with this, I would also be just as upset. Like, he looks like he should be falling over forward with how buff this torso mm-hmm. and shoulders are compared to the rest. Yeah. Like, when I, when I see Andalites, I feel like uh, it makes sense for them to have relatively defined, like, core muscles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because sure. of anatomy reasons um but i also like personally prefer art that's a little weirder like i'm not an andalite torso truther which is a thing that exists Mm -hmm. um i thought you were just pulling words out of random i'm not not. oh incredible (laughs) wow (laughs) hold on Meanwhile, while Danielle looks like all I can think of is that art, I forget the name of the artist who did like the centaur babies who can't hold their heads up, but like a fully like horse mobility on the bottom. Uh huh. So uh it's just. Oh my god. Oh my god. The torso is a lie. Oh my god. Oh no. Oh my god. Oh no. Oh no. This this one I love. This art I love. This is incredible. Yes. 
Why? Love... Why is this? That's great. That is a cool, funky-looking alien. Yes. Uh, 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 the the fan art that's below the photoshopped version uh, is is more better. like what I what I prefer personally, um, as opposed to like full centaur bullshit. But also, like the description goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the books, uh, and uh, the for the listener at home. Go to andalitetruth.org. This is a real website that really exists. <laughs> it's it's beautiful. It it is every like early two thousands website. Uh huh. <laughs> and I. <laughs> I need someone to protect this baby. <laughs> no, that's a good one. I I like that yeah. one. There's another one. <laughs> That I really like. And, and I, I just want somebody there. to protect this baby. Look at yes. this child. Yes. Uh huh. It's a good one. No, what's the one where like they actually look delicate? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have ruined look. ourselves, guys. Yeah, it, this <laughs> is <laughs> just, just, just go through this book and imagine That's good. Uh, Wait, yeah. where am I? What did I do? I did something. Oh no. Okay, nope. Here we go. No, this Closing is the, the tab. one I like. Yes. Look at that. Isn't that a sweetheart? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. God, my waveform is a treat right now. Apologies, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> you say that like I haven't been peeking mine. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Uh, so yeah, the cover is way too buff, but also very pretty. Uh, and uh, also inaccurate to what the book is about. Uh, because for, for the listener, the majority of this book is, or actually the entirety of this book is a trial. So following the events of book 30, wherein Eva, not Eva, Visser 1 in Eva's body fell off of a literal cliff, um, she was captured. It's not really captured, detained. By Visser 3. Um, and now she's on trial in front of the Council of 13 for a variety of war crimes, or Yerk war crimes, uh, that, not actually, not her actual war crimes, of course. Um, the, she, so she's on trial. We'll get to that in a minute and like what she's on trial for. Um, and Visser 3 is essentially her prosecutor. So there's a lot of uh very good Visser 3, Visser 1 banter, uh, for lack of a better word. Um <clears throat> and uh a lot of the book centers around Visser 1 telling the story of uh how she discovered Earth, what she did when she discovered Earth. Um and using this as a testimony against 
against the, some of the charges that have been brought up against her. Um, <clears throat> in while she is doing that, she is also trying to discredit Visser Three because she knows that the easiest way to get herself out from under the council's uh, scrutiny is to put Visser is to switch places with Visser Three essentially. Um, mm-hmm. So she is also looking this entire book to. Uh, discredit Visser 3 in some way, in the way that Vissers 1 and 3 generally do. You know, this is this is what they do. They try to make each other look really bad uh, so that one of them is killed or demoted. Um, I'm sure somebody is out there shipping Visser 1 and Visser yep. 3. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. And oh. I part of me wants to read it and part of me never wants to read it. I've yep. got to say. Right? I, Yep. I just love me some. We love rivals in yep. this house. It's it's very much a kiss mess, dude. Uh, you mm-hmm. fucking children and your ham steak bullshit! I swear <laughs> to Christ. Uh, the only part I ever reference of it is is the the quadrants because it is a relatively useful way to talk about certain kinds of relationships, um, as opposed to me who named myself. <laughs> I wasn't going to throw you under that bus. You walked <laughs> under it yourself. <laughs> I do, I do always. Um, but yeah, that fic does exist, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course it does. Yep. <laughs> Look, let he who has never enjoyed a little bit of hate sex fic throw the first stone. Yeah. Has worse implications when they're yerks, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's I don't. I just. I'm not. I don't want to discuss the ethics. There's enough of that in this book that is serious, yeah. and it's just like no. I just want two horrible people hating that they're attracted to each other. Yeah. Frankly. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm here for. Do do what is what calls to you in fic. I'm not here to judge that. Uh, yeah. No. Uh. So. We should do we should do book specific content warnings while we're at yes. it. <laughs> um, one, the entire book is told from uh, Visser One's perspective, so definitely understand that this is from a Yerk point of view, and has all of the grossness that we have come to expect with that. Uh, so you know exactly how gross uh, Esplin was about Aldrea. When we read the Horkbajir Chronicles, you can expect similar stuff here. Visser 1 is also just, like, stone-cold bitch. Uh, yeah. uh, not in yeah, that she's is... bitchy, although she is, but in, like, the... She does bad shit. Yeah, like, this is a truly chilling villain. And this is... Yes. I loved reading this, to be clear. Like, I love complicated characters. I enjoy... Getting to be with a unreliable narrator, especially when we have it punctuated by stuff that does underline how this is not uncriticized, uh, yeah. Edges' worldview. Mm-hmm. There is pushback within the narrative about actions she has taken. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Well, yeah, we're going to also probably just use she throughout because, like, consistently, Edges took human fem- women as hosts. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, also, 
uh, implied and referenced sexual assault uh, with respect to yurks in people who get pregnant. So. Yep. Uh, war imagery and gun violence. We spend a little bit of time uh, in Operation, Operation Desert Storm, uh, otherwise known as the Gulf War. Uh, so that exists. Um, and unreliable narrator. Uh, Idris is, an, Idris being Visser 1, is an extremely unreliable narrator. Uh, that's part of why those other perspectives that Jade mentioned are so desperately important. Um, because they offer a very needed reality check. Because it's easy mm-hmm. to read this and if you're not paying very close attention and or you're not an adult, uh, mm. it's very easy to come away from this book uh, with a sympathetic view towards Visser 1, and that is not what is intended. Mm. So. <clears throat> uh, yeah. I feel like we've gotten into overarching thoughts, kind of. Does anyone, do either of you have uh, any other overarching thoughts you want to touch on? I like, from a narrative perspective, like getting a um, a yerk perspective uh, from somebody that's fully bought in to mm-hmm. what's going on. Because we've seen like various yerks now that have doubts, that question things. And this is somebody fully into the, I, I believe in the yerk empire. I want to succeed at this and knows exactly what that means and what that requires mm-hmm. and doesn't mm-hmm. flinch away from it. And as a counterpoint to Visa 3, it is super interesting to see a perspective on like Yerk culture mm-hmm. and just like the way they do things and how Visa 3 is viewed by his peers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also like for all that like it's called out for what it is, Seeing that even somebody like Vissel One can have her mind changed under the right circumstances mm-hmm. is so interesting and good. And I love how it complicates everything. Yes. And this is not to say everyone can be redeemed, but rather nothing is absolute. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. when we see the actions that people like Cassie are willing to take when you see what happens with Edris and this you're like you see why Cassie has a point and why her perspective is so important mm-hmm. also uh, Alison Kim is a boss yeah I love her <laughs> we oh love Alison Kim she's a badass I forgot about her entirely and I'm very sad because she is incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to add that to my dumb kids playing hero wish list. Just the appearance <laughs> of Alison <and> Kim. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, That's a girl boss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True facts. Uh, Dirk, do you have any thoughts you want to start off with before we dive in? Uh... Mm, let me double check my live blog. 
<laughs> that was delightful to keep up with, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so listeners, uh, I started reading the book and taking notes on everything before there was a document because, uh, listen, The Void has given us different talents and it did not give me the talent to make the document that Danielle makes, which is incredible. <laughs> so I just took a whole bunch of notes at Danielle in DMs <laughs> and, um... I, like, most of this, I think I kind of say in the doc, but I can also, like, come back to address mm-hmm. it, because I, I did just do a, a yeah. um, live blog of, of me reading it. Okay, we can always circle back. Um, yeah. All right. So, the book starts off uh, with a prologue. We are... Not told, well, we are told who we are in the perspective of, but it's not like, my name is. Um, <clears throat> the We learn what perspective we're in because uh, we realize very quickly that we are in Marco's home. And because Marco's home consists of him and his two parents... Uh, and his husband is referenced in the third person. We know that we are in at least Eva's body. And very quickly we learn that we are in Visser One's perspective in Eva's body. Um, the, hmm. the first few paragraphs of this, they're very, very brief, but they paint a very descriptive picture of what exactly Peter was like as a father. And coming off of book 35, where I'm a little heated about how Peter is as a father, I just, uh, wanna hit him. I wanna hit him. I will. It feels very sitcom dad. Yes. It's very stereotypical. Yes. It, and it's also very sort of how fatherhood, like, especially sort of white, Western mm-hmm, fatherhood mm-hmm. is meant to be, mm-hmm. which is the mother is the caretaker, the father is the provider. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In many ways, I lived this. So and that this- is presented uncritically here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also, this is uh, again at the end of a year where Idris had been like inside Eva. Mm-hmm. So. This was the quote-unquote year of bliss, mm-hmm. where Idris was just like, yeah, I'm just not fighting about any of this. Yep. Things that Eva probably would have fought about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, oh, see, that's that's one way to t- look at that. That I think, to be clear, I think is mm-hmm. really um, cognizant, present. But another way to look at it is the kind of person Eva is trying to be sorry mm-hmm. visa one is trying to be as eva is that i'll take care of that honey yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it could mm-hmm. be like that fully like blending in this is what a mother yeah. is expected to be mm-hmm. like this is her pantomiming yeah mm-hmm. yeah no i think i think visa one is definitely uh enabling this kind of behavior yeah uh and like, obviously, it doesn't say good things about Peter that he just 
lets this happen because like a decent parent would be like let or a decent like spouse and parent would be Mm -hmm. like let me take on some of this extra stuff you are doing so much Mm -hmm. and like volunteer yeah just apparently didn't yeah like i can definitely see what jade is saying like i can i can envision a world in which uh visser one was like no go sit by the television no i've got this uh like no like there's a specific way that i want to do this and peter like didn't want to make waves and so just went along with it It, Mm -hmm. it's a fucked up situation however you cut it um yeah Peter doesn't come off looking great either way, to be clear. Mm -hmm. But there is something to be said for Vessel One creating an environment where there's as little conflict as possible. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which also goes to prove how smart she is. Mm -hmm. Because we've seen some people utterly unable to be convincing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but, but these people who can create this environment just sort of like, I cannot give this human any reason to examine me closely. Mm-hmm. Because we learned also, that she's doing a lot of like sharing stuff behind the scenes yeah. while she has, while she's infested Eva. Yeah. And like, and, and given what we learn about Idris's choices, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. got to be a reason why she chose a fucking wife and mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Given yeah. the at the sharings, she probably had a could pick whatever host she wanted. Mm-hmm. She chose Eva. Mm-hmm. So there was clearly something about that life that she was like, yeah, that will work for my purposes. That's or, a really... And this is, again... Yeah, Go and ahead. it's just like painting that thing, just sort of like what we learn about her and her choices and whether this was a way for her to luxuriate in humanity one last time mm-hmm. and play happy marrieds. Yes, that it is implied. It definitely feels like it, yeah. Yeah. Um, the thought that I just had is we aren't told how specifically she found Eva. And I'm wondering if Eva did go to some sharing meetings. I feel like it would have been mentioned. Yeah, but it probably would have been mentioned if she did go. I think it's probably one of those things where, like, she was probably a connection of somebody mm-hmm. who was yeah. at the sharing or... Yeah. yeah. Maybe or she like eat. went to one meeting. Like you're lonely, mm-hmm. you're yeah. pissed off at your spouse. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do feel lonely. Yeah, my kid is great, but he's a fucking child. I'm mm-hmm. gonna go spend right. some time with some adults. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and like she's very smart, so she probably went yeah. to one sharing meeting. Yeah. And, and was like, like, that's a cult. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I also, and this just occurs to me, I just like, quote, diversity win sarcasm mode. Idris's habit of picking all these hot ladies as hosts is just like, you gotta respect, like, just like, yes, all of them babes, babes, babes. <laughs> and then just one sort of vaguely, like, handsome, charismatic dude. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. Sort of like, <laughs> but it's interesting to see because this is really the first time we see a Yerk having such freedom to choose hosts mm-hmm. and to have mm-hmm. her consistently choose attractive women, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. when there's options. I'm not saying lesbian is the correct term here, but also <laughs> sarcasm diversity win. Uh, listen, it's all it could possibly be gender. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like the notion of something like consistent going, hmm, I like the trappings of how that human women uh, this work, how they present gender. I can vibe with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, so, uh, what's happening at this at the beginning here? Because <laughs> we didn't actually say. Uh, no, we didn't. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> we got caught up in uh, sh- hating on Peter. Um, <laughs> so, Visser One slash Visser One has been taking care of Marco, who has had some kind of viral illness um, and a fever. Um, she comes downstairs after taking care of Marco, um, and Peter's sitting watching the television. Uh, <laughs> and the thing that's just like, as Dirk put in the, in the, in the doc, flames on the side of my face. Uh, uh, Marco's fever is down. I think he, ba- he's basically over this thing. He's asleep. Anyway, I was thinking of getting some fresh air. He muted the television. Good idea. It's tough when they're sick, huh? kids he's okay though huh like it's just a virus yeah well take some time you've been carrying the load and if you're going to the store like oh buddy Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) he says all of five sentences and i want to murder him (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do it's, not have nearly the same rage response to this. So I'm not. I don't. I'm not saying my friends are incorrect to feel enraged <laughs> by this behaviour. I'm just here, like, I don't know. Maybe I've just internalised enough bullshit behaviour. Just like, oh yeah, okay. Well, if you if you are out, why wouldn't you ask somebody to pick up something for you? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Like, I I get it. And but it is I, also in if it context wasn't on the back of the proposal, <laughs> yeah. it would probably not rankle yeah. quite so hard. I yeah. get it. Yeah. It's in the context that it's in. Uh Well, no, but like also it's just like he's like, uh take some time, uh, and then oh by the way, if you're going to the store, like mm-hmm. what about this makes any sort of why would she go to the store if she's taking some time to breathe after he's been sick? And the way he's just like, it's tough when they're sick, huh? Like, this isn't even his kid. Like, excuse me, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is your child. Yes, but also, yeah. like, see, that can also, and this, I feel like I'm weirdly on the Peter Defense Squad, and that's not <laughs> what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> But it could also be the case that last time Marco was sick, he was the one who did the sitting it's with true. Marco. It is possible. Yes, absolutely. It is possible. And that's why, and it's now Eva's taking this, like, the 
taking the reins this mm-hmm. time. And yes. it's not a, oh, it's tough when this is just like, it's, it's more of a solidarity thing uh-huh. rather than, oh, yes. you mums, you work <laughs> so hard. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is a very valid interpretation. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, I think it can certainly be read that way. I did not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do have one more thing to add that occurred to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're so prepared to take this as an accurate representation of what happened when we've talked nonstop since we started about how this is an unreliable narrator. You're right. Uh, in our defense, this isn't a story that she's specifically telling the Council of Thirteen. No. So it is... It is probably slightly more reliable. Slightly. But yeah, she, that is a very good point. <laughs> uh, um, uh, we should keep going because we're mm-hmm. 30, 38 minutes into this recording and have only done all of a paragraph. It- so. We had important overarching thoughts <laughs> to discuss. Uh-huh. Like how buff is it? <laughs> it's upsetting! It needs to be drawn! I say that as the person who derailed us into Andalite truth. Like, I understand. I get it. <laughs> Look, if you want cohesive thought, there are, uh, there are many other podcasts. We'll hope you'll stick it out for our rambling and divergent moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you ever we wonder got, why these recordings, we got tangents. <laughs> yes, these recordings are four hours long. Why do you ask? <laughs> uh, right. So, uh, this or one is going out to quote unquote get a br- get some air, take a breath, whatever. Uh, but she tells Peter that she's actually going down to the marina and to the sailboat that she purchased uh, specifically so that she could later fake her death. Not that her, not that Peter and Marco know that uh, Peter uh, does have a moment here where he's like, you're not taking it out on the water. Are you? Because like, it looks like it's going to storm. Uh, and she's like, no, I'm just going to check the ropes. Don't worry about it. Uh, and, don't think about how the last thing that Peter said to his wife was, uh-huh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, like, living for, like, yeah, no wonder he grieves so hard when he probably blames himself for letting her leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not taking so... care of Marco. <laughs> Well, that, that's the shitty feeling that comes after. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but, like, that realization of if I had pushed harder, if I yeah. had said more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that's human nature, isn't it, to dwell on what we could have done, what we should have done. Mm-hmm. And hold ourselves responsible for arguably stuff that isn't. Yep. Uh, and then we are forcibly reminded that we are in a yerk perspective because as 
Visser 1 turns to leave. She walks down the hall. Um, Marco's door, the door to his room is ajar. Um, and it's written here, I paused to look inside. I almost couldn't do otherwise because the other voice in my head, the beaten down, repressed human voice, was alive and screaming and screaming at me, begging me, pleading. Um, uh, Eva, uh, just wants to be able to say goodbye to her son, to hold him one last time, to kiss him, uh, before she essentially dies, for all intents and purposes. Uh, but, he, uh, Visser 1 doesn't give her that opportunity. Uh, she just leaves, drives to the marina, makes a point of making sure that she is seen, Leaving the marina in her, in her boat with too much sail, uh, because humans need someone to blame for every mishap. Uh, there is no room for random chance in the limited human cosmology. So I was providing them with the culprit, me. She went out in bad weather, they would say, carried too much sail, amateur sailor, weekend sailor, no respect for the sea. That's what they would say, and they blame the victim and move on. Which is depressingly accurate. So we have this very depressing view of what Eva's last day with her family was like. Uh, because of Visser 1, and I think it's important that we have this at the beginning that we have this hardness and almost cruelty. Well, I mean, it is cruelty. Um, it's not... It's cruel because of what it is, not because this or one is specifically, like, out to twist the knife. If that makes sense? It, it's, a, it's cruel, not sadistic. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Oh, we also get the very heartbreaking sentence uh, about Marco, as Visser One is is observing Marco in his room. Uh, already in his early adolescence, the stamp of failure was on him. He was too sweet-natured and trusting to ever make it very far in a hard world. Ah! <laughs> Sad. Ah. <laughs> 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 you ever just feel crushingly, achingly sad about Marco Animorphs and Benny LaFontaine? It is always crying about Benny and Marco hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just soft, uh, soft and kind-hearted people who are taught by family members to see the ruthless path and then have to take on that particular persona because of outside events. Mm -hmm. And every damn day I'm thinking about that scene that Richard and I did during, uh, before dinner ends. Mm Um, just, it's so much, uh, 
so much all Wait, the time. Which one? Uh, the one Flying where chess. Yeah, where Benny and his grandmother are playing chess, and Benny's grandmother is like, "I need you to be like strong and uh, oh, calculating because one. the the people will we we can't have your sister in charge of everything essentially." But also that understanding that you have to have compassion in order to make shitty choices, because otherwise yeah. you won't appreciate that what you're making is a shitty choice. Mm-hmm. 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 It's like having mm-hmm. the kind, having the compassion and the good nature to know something is a horrible situation and the ability to make it anyway. Oh, I'm crying about Marco all over again. Protect this child. Uh, he 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 won't be protected. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> uh, in fact, he spends like a year to two years, literally taking care of his own father. Yeah. And then he joins a war. <laughs> and then he attempts to kill his mother twice. <sighs> Honestly, well, we won't spoil that. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> off. God yeah. damn it, Dad. Yeah. No. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Listeners, you see what we have to deal with. <laughs> <sighs> uh. Yeah. So. I, anyway, I think this prologue is very important because it really does hammer home, like, this This book is bookended, for lack of a better term, uh, by these moments where we are reminded that Visser 1 is Visser 1 for a reason. She is smart, she is calculating, she's extremely fucking ambitious, um, and will do basically anything in order to succeed. Um, and she has underlying layers that, without that reminder, she might appear sympathetic, as I mentioned before. Uh, and so I think it's really important to have this, these bookends. Um, mm-hmm. I've just had an upsetting us. thought. What's Who that? Hear it? Yes. Well, you know oh, how yeah. we've discussed in the past how or mused about how much Visa 3's development as an individual is influenced by having a Lauren as a uh-huh. host. Oh, and that no. way of thinking and way uh-huh. of doing things. And thank we see Idris was a certain way before taking Eva as a host. Mm-hmm. But how much has having Eva as a host affected Idris and the way, given that we know that Eva is the one that taught Marco about the clear white line? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a fit there. And either, one, another reason why Idris vied with Eva the host so much, is like, oh, no, yeah, you can think about things the way I do, which, how horrifying for Eva is that? Mm-hmm. But yeah. also, like, we see a number of times in this book how much 
Eva has already influenced Vissel One. Mm-hmm. Spoiler for the end, mm-hmm. like Vissel One, not Eva. Vissel One cares about Marco and Peter continuing to live. Unless I was misconstruing that, I possibly am. But there is this and the vibe there that Marco's life is important to Vissel One, not just to Eva. Because she could shop in the Animorphs and doesn't. And I think that's just because Eva would kick off too much in her brain. No, I think it is for strategic reasons. Yeah. Fair. There there are a couple of like interior musings that mm. where she's like, Yeah, I'm gonna watch you die a slow, painful death. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but like later after you've uh mm. finished all your usefulness, essentially. Um Yeah. But I think I think before Marco puts her in a corner in this book, mm. which he does, um yes. he knows that she needs him uh and uses that to great effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but uh I think before that she has a kind of strange pride or sympathy mm-hmm. for him i th- yeah i think that's mm-hmm. a good way a better way to mm-hmm. frame it just sort of like oh look my host son look how kamadi is mm-hmm. oh good for him mm-hmm. oh now he's a problem for me mm-hmm. Fuck. <laughs> yes mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. but yeah no i i know what you mean but uh even with all that i still wonder like the way Vessel One has continued to approach problems mm-hmm. as well. Like, yes, always been very good at strategy and doing this. But like, mm, there's some human connivingness going mm-hmm. on that I yeah, honestly really enjoy oh, to read. No, please, Duck, go go right ahead. Oh no, I was just uh, when you were starting to say, like, talk about like the way the hosts impact the Yerks. I really mm-hmm. thought you were going to touch on Alice and Kim mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. we haven't gotten there yet. But again, listeners, Alice and Kim goes fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think Alice and Kim definitely had a very formative effect on Visser One. I think I think she did make Visser One smarter. Mm-hmm. Um. But I do think a lot of the specific conniving and maneuvering that she does, like, in this book in particular, I think it is very, it's more in line with Eva as opposed to, like, Alice and Kim's more direct approach. Because Alice and Kim, we know, we learn, is a scientist. She's extremely smart um, and very quick. Um, and we see Visser One, like, use that in many ways. Uh, but it's, it's not, we don't see Idris in those early days being manipulative in the way that she is in this book. There's mm-hmm. something to be said about the reason what we mentioned earlier about Vista 1 and Vista 3 being foes for each other, 
-hmm. But the only reason why Vessel One and Marco is so compelling is because they know exactly how each other are thinking. And that is Mm. Eva's influence Mm -hmm. working Mm -hmm. both ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the absolutely. fact is, I'm, we can talk about it. Like, Eva makes a choice in this book that is pure Marco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And also is probably exactly what Edris would have done in mm-hmm. a similar situation mm-hmm. as the tactically sound solution that is going to have the best impact overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Vissa One wants to live. Vissa one wants to thrive, but doesn't just care about like not getting everything she can. Right. Uh, yeah. Visser one in in the vein of Eva and Marco is willing to sacrifice pieces to make the game. To win the game. Yeah. Um, in a way that Visser 3 isn't. Because when I when I say sacrifice pieces, I don't just mean like throwing subordinates at a problem and not caring if they die. Yeah. I mean like losing like, battles but winning the war. Um, and also like taking hits and not taking it personally. Mm-hmm. Like Visser 3 takes mm-hmm. losses and injuries to himself as like personal slights. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. Vissel 1 spends a chunk of this book, sev- like all of this book that isn't memories, severely injured. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And could be petty and pissy about it, but isn't. Mm-hmm. It's just accepting of, okay, well, that's the situation. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. Bitching's not going to help me any. Right. And Whereas just Vissel carries on. It's a paper cut and you just hear <laughs> about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I also, uh, before we move on from the prologue, this is the last thing I'll say. Uh, uh, back to Idris being an unreliable narrator. Um, we have Eva's human mind would still be with me, of course, still blubbering and weeping and begging, no doubt. But I had written the book on human infestation. I would have no difficulty controlling this woman. Mm. And like, <laughs> uh, we do, we do see. Eva fighting back in like a, a physical sense and being able to temporarily regain control of her body. But for the most part, we don't see her able to do that. Like I think Visser one does legitimately have a pretty good lockdown on at least Eva's motor functions. Uh, however, at no point in this mm-hmm. book is Eva ever blubbering, weeping, begging. Except for, I mean, begging to say goodbye to Marco, but that's totally understandable. But she's not, like, the host sitting in the corner of the mind, like, just crying and inconsolable and never participating in anything that's happening because they don't have any control. We see Eva is actively listening and watching everything that's going on around her and Mm -hmm. making deductions and... Even in some, like, in some places, uh, like, cheering for Visser 1 to fail. In other places, like, actually, at least temporarily, 
helping Visser One by making connections that Visser One is slow to make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this book does a fantastic job of demonstrating just how smart Eva is. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. like, but also how she chooses to do things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is. She is undeniably smarter than Idris is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh but yes. We open chapter 1 uh with uh Visser 1 speaking to the Council of 13. Uh basically being like, "Look, I don't question your right to uh, your entitlement to hold to take me to trial and know whatever the fuck you want about uh the things that I have done, but like you made the prosecutor Visser three conflict of interest much. <laughs> yeah, this bitch hates me. There is this great description here, and I love this th- detail about um, this aspect of Yerk society. Mm-hmm. So the Council of Thirteen obviously aren't on Earth; they're being beamed in like holograms. Um, and while it's described like I think it's t- there are two taxon controllers, mm-hmm. nine uh, Hawkbajir, and two that Edris can't tell what controller mm-hmm. ho- or what the host body is. But what's crucial is one, they're all wearing the same thing with these dark red hooded robes. Uh, mm-hmm. Even the Hawkbajir have got this cool like mesh under thing so their blades don't rip the robes, which I thought was a really cool little detail. Mm-hmm. And something that's revealed a little later is the Emperor is one of these 13, mm-hmm. but Visser 1 and Visser 3 don't know which one. The Council do, but yep. one of the number is the Emperor. But part of yeah. the way the Council works is that you don't know which it is. Somebody could just be the mouthpiece for the Emperor, some, or they could be the Emperor. You don't know. Mm-hmm. And I find that fascinating mm-hmm. as like a choice. Yeah. Specifically to deter uh, Andalite assassins, assassins, but also Yerk assassins. Yerk assassins. Which is incredible. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, it's very good. This is some good Star Trek <clears throat> shit as well. Just like hologram council. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. Mm-hmm. The fact that we get a reference later to the, to Yerk's encountering sci-fi. Yeah. No wonder they think it's reality when this is how their fucking leading council does business. Like mm-hmm. I'd watch an episode of Star Trek and go, yeah, nah, seems legit. <laughs> yep. So, uh, one of the people on the council, uh, she doesn't know if it's the emperor or not. Uh, but one of the people is Garoff, who is one of her mentors. Um, Garoff is consistently not on Idris's side, but definitely rooting for her, I guess. Like, he yeah. wants her to succeed. He's not willing to stick his neck out for it at all, but he wants her to find a way out of this. Um, yeah. Uh, and does but, actively take steps. Like, if he mm-hmm. wanted her to go down, she would have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In flames. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. it is, it is pretty obvious favoritism, but none of it is overt enough that anybody could question it. Yeah. Yeah. I got a lot. <clears throat> um, I think also- we'll, um, go on, Dirk, please. 
Oh, I was going to say, because, uh, like, he's also the mouthpiece of the council, the primary one doing the talking. Yes. So, yes. the things he does make sense. And, uh... Yes. Mm-hmm. One of the aspects I love, and we mentioned this briefly, but as we sort of get into this, we're going to hear a list of charges being mm-hmm. brought against Vissel One here. And the notion of, A, what the Yerks consider to be war crimes, peak among them the uh, sympathizer aspect, mm-hmm. which is, and what each of these crimes entails as a punishment. But so, and I think, Dirk, you definitely highlighted this in our comments, like, this is a very big thing with militaries, like how people are brought to accountability. Like, oh yeah, no, you can do the shitty thing. Mm-hmm. You can't get caught doing the shitty thing because we will disown you. Mm-hmm. We have to be seen as upholding our own principles. We all break the rules. We just don't let anyone know we break yeah. the rules. Rules are for soldiers, not for generals. Hi, yeah. Jake. I'm looking at you, kid. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry this has happened to you. I hate it yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is explicitly said that uh, mm-hmm. Yerks of Visser rank and higher don't have to do uh, a memory dump. A memory dump is used in this book a lot, um, specifically for uh, Idris's memories of her discovery of Earth. Um, she gave memory dumps to the Council back then, um, but she doesn't have to give a new one with her new information uh, because that, that sort of thing isn't required by Vissers because no one could reach the rank of Visser or council without uh, 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 breaking these rules, essentially. Yeah. And I... Uh-huh remain bitter about that i will talk about it more when we get down there Mm -hmm. but uh, Mm -hmm. yeah like there's a reason why like the yurks are like the counterpoint to the analog because this is two sides of the same coin this Mm -hmm. is military culture Mm -hmm. i just there's almost like the yurks of like yeah nah we know what we're like mm-hmm. this is how we win wars this is how we become the most powerful force in the galaxy well, they, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. look yeah. everyone knows you're going to kill some subordinates <laughs> you just don't make it don't obvious okay yeah. yeah and yeah it is that very much like um and it evokes in my mind uh a little bit don't ask don't tell mm-hmm. whereas like if we don't ask you if you killed anyone we'll mm-hmm. assume you didn't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it feels incredibly militaristic just sort of like yeah. well if we don't ask you you don't have to admit anything mm-hmm. and if mm-hmm. and it is that thing like Visa 3 is causing the shit here by bringing this to the council mm-hmm. otherwise they would have probably let Visa, th- Visa 1 get on with it but because yeah. there's been this very public yeah. thing that can't be downplayed and Visa 3 just like has done the younger sibling thing of <laughs> punched the older sibling. Older sibling has punched back. Younger sibling's gone, Mom, they hit me. Uh-huh. Like, it's just very good. And like, in the sense of compelling, narratively speaking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
so Idris's charges are as follows. Um, if you haven't caught on by now, Idris, uh, Idris 562 is the Yurk that is Visser 1. Um, uh, so the charges are treason by incompetence, which carries a sentence of death by Dragonbeam. Treason by violation of established procedure, which carries a sentence of death by Dragonbeam. Treason by sympathy with a subject species, which carries a death, a sentence of death by Candrona starvation. Treason by contact with the foul Andalite race, which carries a sentence of death by torture. And treason by murder of subordinate Yerks, which carries a sentence of exile to punishment duty. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. um and uh the majority of these with the exception of treason by contact with the foul andalite race uh have to do with um uh uh how idris came to earth what she did on earth before she contacted uh the the empire um, which we'll get into, uh, and like the 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 story that Visser Three is selling here is that Visser One has purposefully hamstrung the invasion of Earth in order to uh, protect something about Earth. Um, like either she has grown too fond of humans or she has some sort of emotional connection to one or more humans. Um, but that she, she purposefully, uh, made them, uh, do this silent invasion thing that Visser 3 abhors. Uh, and that that has resulted in the fact that they haven't taken Earth yet essentially and that like it's a it's a big problem um visser 3 is bringing this up of course because he wants to make it a full-scale invasion he wants to go full ham um and i think well we'll get into that when we get when we get there uh i'll write a note here so i don't forget um but these are the charges and of course, Idris, uh, denies all of them. Um, I'm going to continue to refer to her by Idris because for a lot of this, she doesn't have the rank of Visser one because it's in the past. Um, and because it's a little shorter to say. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, she denies all of the charges. She says they're all lies. Um, <laughs> which that fucking interplay between the two of these two fucking vissers is just uh huh. It is peak sibling energy a lot of the time. It's so mm -hmm. like pissy the way they argue with each other. It's great mm -hmm. to read. It's like this person brings out the worst in both of them. Mm -hmm. Like, even Visser 3, who we know is, like, a bitch here for drama, comes off looking really bad. It's not just him being him. It is, like, it's muckraking, mudslinging, however you want to put it. 
Mm-hmm. And it's very entertaining to read. <laughs> I knew you had to love this, Visser 3, at his most scenery chewing. <laughs> Look, I uh, love a messy bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, Visser, Visser 1, Idris, Eva, Eva's body is still extremely injured from her fall. Uh, right leg, left arm, and shoulder ribs are broken. Uh, and like burned, burns on her body, uh, have all been left untreated. They're all things that could have easily been repaired using York technology, but none of it has been. So she's spending like this entire, and, and we're not allowed to forget it either. Like it's brought up several different times that like her face is fucked up. Uh, she has a very hard time walking. She's in constant pain. Um, and Idris can't cut herself off completely from that pain because to do so would mean essentially giving Eva control of her body back. Um, but Idris is also on the brink of Candrona starvation. Like they've only allowed her barely to eat enough to live. Um, so she is start. She's starving. In addition to everything else, they have starved her. Um, yeah. but and, uh, go ahead. Like, uh, honestly, like when, like it makes a catalog of her injuries and reading those, I forgot she fell off the mountain and I was mm-hmm. just like, ah, Visser three has been torturing her mm-hmm. because like, it's a thing he would fucking do. He, yes. I mean, he, in a way, he has been. Because, one, yeah. he's been starving her. And, two, he hasn't treated her injuries. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, he did not cause these injuries himself. Yeah.